it's Zachlyn Michichi. I'm so popular. And last week on the show, we looked at the essential male archetype of Marlon Brando. And this week, we are turning to the other gender to look at the most shimmering example of all femininity, Gwen Stefani, and uh, a few poems by Anne Sexton. And I'm joined here by uh, one of the reigning goddesses of this Twitter realm. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Joe. Hi, nice to be on. Hi, um, Joe. What are you doing? Uh, what am I doing right now? I'm just, you know, sitting around, starting my morning, uh, having a little coffee, and uh, looking forward to this chat with you. Love it. Um, why do you follow me, Joe? You know, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I think I think I might have seen you in a Twitter space, or I just saw you were associated in some way with, uh, you know, Jack's whole scene, TPN Jack, I mean, and uh, obviously I thought you had like a interesting, cool thing going on. Uh, I think definitely, obviously, like hearing that you lived in Japan was like, for my like inner, it, we were speaking a little bit about our um, childhood, uh, internet childhood aspirations and as a you know uh borderline weeaboo myself uh you know that was obviously uh very aspirational to me so love uh, it yeah yeah lately i'm really just like fully here for embracing the complete weeaboo fantasy like going 900 percent harajuku girls like i think uh the way forward is just to go completely all out with being a loser weeb and embracing it to the point of a hysteria yeah i think it's gonna come I think it's going to come back in a major way. Like it's going to become, I think it's become like neutral in the last few years, but now it's going to become insanely cool again. To be like yeah. Korea's had its time and now we're going to fucking yeah. retire it. And glorious Nippon will rise once again. Yeah, to yeah, culturally yeah. colonize the world. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I am deeply obsessed with your internet presence. Um, I followed you the second I first heard you on on TPN, and um, your back (laughs) history with stuff like Tech Wars and your overall Twitter energy is such a delight. You you wrote my favorite tweet, I think, maybe of all time, uh, which I prepared to read. It says, Coco, what are your thoughts on climate change? (laughs) Coco, give orange me, give eat orange. Me, eat orange, give me, eat orange, give me you. Coco's translator. She says, when the last tree has been cut down, the last river poisoned, only then will we realize that one cannot eat money. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I thought about that for three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the Coco, the Coco question is, uh, you know, something I think about a lot. The uh, give me orange line is actually uh, from another magical talking ape. Uh, Nim Chimpsky is the name of it. It was like a chimpanzee uh, that they trained to do sign language. And that was the longest, like most complex sentence that he ever produce. <laughs> <Give me all. laughs> yes, it has its own Wikipedia article, I think. I actually, after that tweet, it was so influential that I literally spent like a week, um, like researching like gorilla sign language and things and like reading yeah. about Coco GSL. and like her nipple fetish. And yeah, um... <laughs> yeah Coco. Coco should have been in this episode as one of the uh, female uh, suffering archetypes. Yeah, no, seriously, Coco is like such she just a wanted a baby. Figure. She just wanted a baby. Um, I love that she named her cat All Ball. Oh yeah, All Ball. <laughs> Who got run over by a truck? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm. Well, also part of my Coco truth line is like, yeah, All Ball got run over by a truck. Like every kitten that she got got quote unquote run over by a truck. <gasps> oh, she killed In- them. <laughs> well, like, 
I don't know how many trucks are coming like up to the gorilla sanctuary. Like, meanwhile, like Kogo's petting this kitten, like she didn't pet a little too hard. Like, I don't know. I don't. Oh. Only all ball knows. <laughs> only all ball in heaven knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I am I actually remember when I was like in elementary school, like my mom gave me like a picture book about like all ball and I it was called yeah. Coco's Kitten. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very charming. And then when I like revisited and like read like the web chats, uh like the archives of the web chats that they did, I, I became oh, yeah. like doubly fascinated with Coco as like a as like a Suspiria mother. Like she's like one of the three mothers of Suspiria. Yeah. <laughs> Mater Coco the gorilla. <laughs> um, but no, speak like in, in terms of um, you know, female apes and their suffering. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, and uh, the reason I've been thinking so much about Gwen Stefani lately is um, a, a big I'm so popular plot line is that uh, my boyfriend last year and I broke up, and then uh, it was a big chaotic. Uh, downward spiral for me for a few uh, months and um i felt very in tune with uh, gwen at that time and uh, it also made me revisit like the confessional poets of the mid-20th century and uh, i have like a, a renewed fascination for these women um kind of comically like bleeding out their misery into like bizarre pop art yeah uh that's great i had no real familiarity with Anne Sexton before you, uh, before you hit me up, but, uh, I'm certainly, I did, uh, love the Wikipedia article. I loved, I loved finding out that she, uh, molested her daughter, um, because that's always, uh, you know, I mean, you hate to see it, but I do love the, like, lurid, uh, you know, drama of that. Um, and, no, absolutely. yeah, these poems, you know. I love um, molestation as long as the people are dead. Like, I like a historical molestation, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I was just thinking, actually, uh, here's here's my line on it. Uh, you know how, like, it's a common line, like, uh, going back, I feel like this is, like, the TPN chat like episode because I'm just, like, constantly thinking about Jack and TPN. But um, it, I, other people have said this as well, but that, um, you know, women love to watch like SVU and like true crime because they have like this, you know, deep seated, like unconscious, like rape fantasy, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never personally like identified that as somebody who like, I consider myself to be pretty like in tune with my unconscious and my shadow side, yada, yada. Like, I'm like, you know, I really cannot find in here like anything that like uh, appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, maybe I'm kidding myself or whatever, but, uh, however, uh, child abuse, molestation, like, <laughs> that really gets me going. I'm really, like, I'm always, like, that's, like, that's my thing. So I don't know what that says about me. Probably it's even less flattering than the SVU kind of obsession. No, but, um, like, I totally get it. Because, like, on the Patreon episode, we were talking, like, a little bit about our shared history with, like, Tumblr. And I remember at that time, it's, like, I desperately was, like, longing for like a trauma in my life i was like longing mm-hmm, yeah. for like a rape or a molestation because i felt like it justified some like cosmic horror i was experiencing like i mm, felt so yeah. like alienated from the world and so bizarre it was like the only way that this could possibly be explained and made rational is through an act of great trauma <laughs> Yeah, I could see myself if I had been born in a, another gen- a few generations prior. I could see myself 
uh, going in for psychoanalysis and getting like hypnotized and then like convinced into a fake, you know, child molestation, you know, after the fact. Yes. Uh, you know. Yeah. So Anne Sexton is a uh, very special, is a very special confessional poet. Um, and she uh, lived from 1928 to 1974. Um, she was in some ways morbidly depressed and, uh, a raging alcoholic, and she kind of coped with her issues um, through poetry, which is, uh, I believe, recommended to her by her uh, psychoanalyst. And um, in these sessions, she underwent all sorts of like hypnotherapy. Uh, she was uh, convinced that she had an alter ego. Uh, she surmounted in herself this reality that she thought she uh, molested her daughter. Um, she came up with paranoid. Uh, conspiracies about all the men in her life, and then at the same time, she was uh, writing some of the most unhinged, manic, beautiful poetry I've ever read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, picked three of these, um, and the first one was uh, "Killing the Love." And uh, just in general, out of all three of these poems, um, like what did you kind of like take away? Like what were you feeling going through these? Um, you know, it's obviously like uh the like uh, having like been like a little bit primed as to what her deal was I um was like kind of expecting the like you know shock and the you know bodiliness and etc but uh the it is like like some like really like uh I guess like lurid um what is what is like visceral stuff um Mm -hmm. even more so than I was like expecting um, the one in, uh, the line in After Auschwitz about the, I don't even want to say it about the, uh, it, like, death picking at his anus was just so, like, I was, I was like, ah, like, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very, uh, I'm very, I can, I have a tendency toward being actually very prissy about, like, certain, like, bodily, <laughs> um, experiences, um, and so, uh, you know, yeah, I found it, like, obscene and, uh, you know, probably a little upsetting, and uh, I did, I did like uh, rowing toward God. Although maybe we'll uh, talk about that. You know, when at, you'll set the pace on that. But um, yeah, it, it's um, I also my thing is that like I have very uh, again, I think this probably has to go with like my lack of like an SVU like rape complex. But I have very little insight into like the BPD like female mindset I think I'm very far from the like BPD like st- spectrum um mm-hmm. and so uh the like and, and while I can appreciate it the like drama and and it, of it all is um like very far removed from my own like psyche um yeah but it certainly is entertaining yeah no I think um for me I I do link myself closely with this and I hope it's not because of um BPD but kind of like a maybe from like a place of like camp or something because uh, sure yeah these poems are over the I don't the think top. you have to have BPD <laughs> to identify with the you know yeah but it's like she elevates every single kind of a trite emotion into this uh life or death like the universe is tipping in the balance uh visceral yeah. flesh pool I think I read somewhere that her daughter wrote about her that she was born she was like a person born with no skin like every everything that touched her like went directly to the nerve like yeah 
I think that explains exactly, like, why I'm so obsessed with her. Because, like, you can kind of imagine, like, you make, like, kind of, like, a little joke about her. And then she, like, rushes home to uh, yeah, write she out this, runs like... runs to the bathroom and <laughs> To, like, scrawl out a poem of her peril. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I, I love the confessional poets, like, her and Sylvia Plath, um, for that reason. Because, um, I mean, both of them ultimately killed themselves. And I'm sure that their, like, struggles were very real. But, I mean... Just, like, the hysteria and the screaming of it all mm-hmm. is, uh, it's how I feel when I get, like, rejected by a man at a bar or something. Or, like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't have this straight guy. And all of a sudden, I feel like uh, the reality of Anne Sexton and Sylvia Plath is, like, right inside of me. <laughs> yeah. It's over. Like, yeah. It was so true. Like, I, I, it's wonderful that they wrote these poems, like, so earnestly and with such honesty and, and um, from their well of emotion because uh their sort of overblown mania about it uh becomes a a, a beautiful touching point for i think gay people <laughs> gay people yeah. and uh, absurd women basically mm-hmm. yeah and i think even you know even me even though i consider myself to be kind of like a, a placid like frigid bitch you know we can all i think we all like enter that space at certain you know times decisive turning points in our lives and you know yeah i think so i think so too i i think we can talk a little about um killing the love first which is Mm -hmm. um i am not my probably my least favorite of the three but one i still love nonetheless and um this is a a very simple like metaphor for the idea of um love ending and it being a total emblem of death so it's like it's a familiar kind of like metaphysical like poet idea but um i don't know i just like love her diction in the way that she uh writes with these gory images it feels um even more like deathly and uh, grotesque just because of uh what kind of a nasty thing she picks to put in her writing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm like looking at it again <laughs> As we speak. The, um, the one that's really good is, uh, I'm stuffing your mouth with your promises and watching you vomit them out upon my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like the immediately following that with uh, the camp we directed. I have gassed the campers, which is very like the um, kind of recurring like Auschwitz Holocaust uh, theming is uh, very interesting to me. Uh, I guess it's like a product of like post-war like trauma porno. Um. No, that's totally it. It's like trauma porno. Like I also am especially obsessed with Anne Sexton because uh, she thinks everything is the Holocaust. It's like yeah, it's... this poem that's like essentially <laughs> well, like a breakup the, that the poem. The Holocaust is everything, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's like the Holocaust is everything, and my breakup is the Holocaust. So it's like <laughs> she's like the camp redirected. I have gassed the campers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this and she's like uh manically like screaming about like shall I call the funeral directors like um but it all kind of ends in uh this like delirious image where she's like I'll work nights I'll dance in the city I'll wear red for our burning I'll look at the Charles very carefully wearing its long legs of neon and the cars will go by the cars will go by <laughs> I love this stuff yeah it's um it's like so feminine that I uh, I feel alienated by it, and I'm a, like a woman, you know. It, yes. it is like drag. It's like 
It's like emotional drag. It is exactly emotional drag. Like this idea that um she's enacted the Holocaust by undergoing this heartache and um her ultimate revenge for it is like this kind of um sassy strut on the neon lit town. Yeah. And, like <laughs> she was, like girl. sex in the city, like yeah. Overcoming the Holocaust to like do like sex in the city LARP is just that's absolutely sublime. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I, 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 when, I really feel like the drag comparison is perfect because um, I think that's like ultimately what drag queens are like reaching for is like um, this like realization of femininity that's so out there and overstated that it, it becomes uh, its own kind of tornado piece of art. Mm-hmm. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like more real than real. Yeah. Right, like the more like uh, absurd it gets with this uh, woman like stomping down the street, like the more I, I feel like it's all true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Why don't and, we do and... after Auschwitz? Yeah, <laughs> this... <for> sure. <laughs> so this one is a uh, uh, even more specifically a Holocaust adjacent, if you could believe it or not. Yeah, this is the first one I read. Also. <laughs> oh, great. So, yeah, this is my introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This one is also full of the gore. Uh, each day, each Nazi took at 8 a.m. a baby and sautéed him for <laughs> breakfast in his frying pan. Yeah, this is like the, this is the, like the drama of the Holocaust in the and the way that, like, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying this in a Holocaust denial way, but I'm saying that the mythology of the Holocaust, especially directly after the war, when there was like Soviet misinformation, like going around, like, um, is like that the way that that like shaped the American psyche that they had, like, first of all, like been the heroes in, in that narrative. And also that like, this was like, you know, the Holocaust was like definitely the worst thing in the world, but the things that they like, Nazis sauteing a baby in a frying pan is like the kind of thing that would have been like presented as fact in like po- immediate post-war like uh 1950s uh holocaust narratives like the you know it, like the soap and the lampshades which i think were like disproven in the 80s um it's uh but it's like you have to like kind of make it in you have to like take that kind of poetic license in order to uh like fully articulate the horror of the the real thing you know what really happened yeah and i feel like the real thing is not the holocaust at all but is like the reaction thereafter and the kind of a shaken psyche from like mass paranoia and uh, kind of like the global mood of apocalypse and like hellish landscape like i could definitely imagine that like that probably was almost Oh, I wonder if this sounds horrible. It's I feel like that's more impactful than, you know, the actual, like, death that occurred. It's just, like, the psychic uh, turmoil that came in thereafter. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, like, it's it's kind of, like, not even either or, but it's, like, uh, that they um, are, <laughs> like, energetically entwined in this way where, like, this, yeah, I... I it's, like, the, yeah, this, the, like, second Holocaust is, like, the mass, like, propaganda effort post-war propaganda effort of, like, that was, like, on the one hand, like, denazification, um, and, and, you know, the same thing happening in, like, Imperial Japan and, like, the, uh, 
and like the dismantling of those structures that was like a complete psychic break for everybody that was in in the axis powers you know that were just like citizens of those countries and then the um like the total like valorization of of everybody that had been on like the winning side and and then like codifying the narrative of the holocaust into this you know um into something that can be encapsulated and in, into like a chapter of your like seventh grade history textbook, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely feel like Holocaust, uh, like reverations in my life, uh, just because, um, my grandfather was in the SS, um, during World <laughs> War II. So I definitely feel like close to the Holocaust in probably like the worst way possible. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I do like love seeing like people react to it, like post text and, um, like trying to in this like feminine mode of confessional poetry, like trying to encapsulate like the entire like scope of death mayhem and psychic fallout in uh this uh assault of imagery it's like in order to like pull that off i feel like it's very difficult and only like kind of the screaming female persona would ever be able to do it you know right almost yeah she's like the fury you know the, the like like the greek like fury like tormenting the tormenting man yeah that's exactly it because i feel like um kind of the rational like uh, summation of facts that like might come from like more of a an apollonian reading will never like have like the same truth as a quote right. and death looks on with a casual eye and scratches his anus unquote yeah no <laughs> yeah no like, like i don't even like to look at it like but that's but if, if you're reading a poem about the holocaust you should not want to look at it you know so exactly yeah and i just um nothing else will ever like do it for me like uh, i've seen like plenty of like holocaust like shock cinema and stuff but yeah um like these like Anne sexton poems and just like the way that she uh psychically like renders this uh hellscape into the scratched anus and uh, the sauteed babies mm-hmm. i just i love it it's so over the top yeah it's it's uh it's overwhelming yeah Absolutely. Um, and then you said that you liked this last one the most, uh, rowing. Yeah, well, I was like, oh, this one's a nice little one about coming to God. And this is like, this was a little more like flowers and puppies for me. So I <laughs> preferred it. But um. no, and I like this one a lot, too. Um, and uh, I, this one was composed uh, quite close to her death. And uh, one of her last books of poetry has uh, my favorite title of any book ever published, which is, uh, quote, the awful rowing towards God, unquote, <laughs> which is just how I feel yeah. about everything. But um, I, uh, in the same way that she kind of tries to shrink the Holocaust into like these like shock images um, here, she kind of like does like the inverse and does uh, these like very particular like allegorical images on a very large a cultural scape and it, it comes across as like a very beautiful and true uh, reconciliation with um your maker mm-hmm. yeah i thought this was a really <laughs> this this one i thought was a beautiful sentiment and, and just uh <laughs> i felt like <laughs> i felt good about it you know yeah um, absolutely yeah and I, I mean especially the image at the end of uh thinking that you've won the poker game and then God has five aces. It was just like a wonderful little image. And so true, you know, I, I, 
you encounter that like time and time and again in the way that God acts in your life, you know? No, absolutely. Because I think, um, you know, I put her two like really miserable um, kind of camp poems, um, but I wanted to uh, put this one here because like in all of them, I, I feel like she's doing this uh, to- like totalitarian, like uh, like feminist voice. And uh, of course that like skews towards uh the apocalypse and the end times but um when she like starts like channeling all of these uh different flows of culture into a depiction of god she actually comes away with uh, something beautiful and affirming which i think is um really special for someone who uh you know graphically killed herself with a car exhaust <laughs> yeah it's uh it was it was just yeah that's the because that's the the whole like um it's always like an interesting juxtaposition like the draw of the afterlife the like the goodness of like the draw of the afterlife and wanting to be united with god and then the like evilness of suicide you know Mm -hmm. that's like a very like that's like kind of the question that crosses your mind if you're like a 10 or 12 year old and you're like philosophically inclined is like well if there if heaven is real like why don't people just kill themselves you know <laughs> like right and of course the catholic answer is that you know well then you don't get to go to heaven but um the um i think i think it's more complicated than that but uh the you know because obviously like Anne's life sounds like hell like literally mm-hmm. um but uh I don't know. There is something beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment, nevertheless, to be, you know, drawn toward that, I guess, otherworldly, you know, uh, state. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. She's like, um, I'm mooring my rowboat at the dock of the island called God. This dock is made in the shape of a fish, and there are so many boats moored at many different docks. Um, Like, lately, I've been thinking a lot about religion in in kind of a, a critical way, as it seems to be approaching, like, mass performance um Mm -hmm. but do you feel like drawn towards god uh yeah extremely i'm a i'm a i'm a very i'm a very i think i i think i'm a very religious person actually yeah Mm -hmm. i go to church every sunday oh that's great yeah but i'm episcopalian i'm not catholic um but i am (laughs) i'm an episcopalian convert which is a very funny uh like thing to be because not not a lot of people uh, do that they either go full catholic or orthodox or they go you know idiosyncratic in some way but um yeah i mean i like the episcopal church because first of all it's homo friendly um and <laughs> and in general very like <laughs> mid <laughs> like um, i think that's great yeah uh yeah no it's it's i i honestly i i used to think it was cringe but honestly i love the uh the pride flag uh church aesthetic it's uh especially now that the pride <laughs> I was actually talking with my um, friend uh, well Nick um, from Twitter you know you've had like, oh yes from the toilet, beautiful Nick. toilet of course yeah yeah at, at the after party for uh, homemade dynamite which was a great play everyone um, I we were talking about how like because there's now so many like iterations of the pride flag with like the trans and the like black and brown and the like intersex like in the Ukraine flag slapped on um, 
the like the OG like vanilla pride flag is now like trad is now like is now cool again <laughs> no <laughs> I totally it, think it is you're so yeah, right it's, it's like and it's like offensive now it's like yeah like you might as well have a, a swastika the, you know, up in your <laughs> yeah a swastika and a pride flag no the, I think yeah. it I think that's wonderful and like I um you know I've been trying to like kind of uh reconcile like my relationship with um the divine because mm-hmm. My mom raised me as a Unitarian Universalist. Um, oh, nice, yeah. <laughs> and she, which is definitely like a pride flag kind of church yeah, experience. It's very you know? like Episcopalian adjacent, really. <laughs> totally. So yeah. I like, I always like thought that it was very charming that, you know, people could gather together and um, collect in the name of like celebrating uh, life and the betterment of yourself. And sure. it, it always it kind of touched my soul. And, like, um, I guess, like, recently I've been kind of having, like, a reaction against, um, like, organized, like, religion just because of, like, how often I've been scolded by, like, Catholics on the internet. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the internet Catholics, you know. <laughs> yeah, the computer Don't get me Catholics. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so heinous. And But then, like, when I read, like, this, you know, beautiful, like, Sylvia, it's, I always did it again, the Anne Sexton poem. I'm going to yeah. and slip it three times. But yeah. when she writes, like, you know, Anne, you know, if Anne was in the room for that, she would be running off in tears. Oh, my God. <laughs> she would be sprinting <laughs> so to the bathroom with her she'd pen be, and napkin. She would be sprinting to the car to... <laughs> Not again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that she writes, Dearest Dealer, I with my royal straight flesh love you so for your wild card, that untamable, eternal, gut-driven, ha-ha, and lucky love. I feel like that's such a sweet, like, relationship with a divine where it's like this, um... Yeah. You know, it's this unspoken thing that honestly, throws crap at you and you just get it. And it's great. Yeah, it's a very Episcopalian poem honestly the sentiment of it it's the like humor of it and the like sweetness i and i assume i mean i don't know and sexton and she grew up in massachusetts like she, i assume she probably did grow up episcopalian because that's uh that's pretty much the default like wasp church um mm-hmm. yeah no i would honestly i would recommend it if you ever there's probably an anglican church presence in, in most cities in japan because the anglican church is like everywhere um and you know it's it's like the perfect midpoint between um the because they have like catholic aesthetics but then they're like not like hard asses about about the whole sin thing like yeah because i feel like everyone should kind of just uh take like this approach that like Anne sexton and her like manic like femininity do which is um not to come at it from like this dogmatic um, state of constantly flagellating yourself and those around you for um, intrusions on the rule, but just accepting um, the beauty of life as it flashes to you in bizarre ways. Yeah, exactly. And I yes. also love that this has um, really great, like, nasty culturalism in it. As the African says, this is my tale, <laughs> yeah. which I have told. If it be sweet, if it be not sweet, take somewhere else and let some return to me. This story ends with me still rowing. Um, it yeah. takes something special to just, like, uh, say, the African. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, yeah, and it got, this is a sort of connecting um, cultural appropriation uh, theme that will uh, travel into the second half of the episode. 
Yes, exactly. Uh, because yeah. all of these things link together because um, yeah. <laughs> Gwen Stefani is a woman dealing with heartache, um, existential turmoil, um, her relationship with God, her interactions with other cultures. Yeah. And her and, and as a white and woman, Sexton... sometimes you need to t- zap the power of the uh, of women of different races in order to in order to fully express and self-actualize. Your, yes, that your is being exactly as a white woman. it. You have yeah. to, um, you know, in the name of either, uh, you know, depicting the Holocaust or your breakup, which are one and the yeah. same thing, obviously, yeah. you have to reach into every pot of culture around you in order to create something new yeah, and fabulous. Yeah, colonize feminine. and take the fertile resources of the African woman, too. Yeah. Haunting the black air, braver at night, dreaming evil, I have done my hitch over the plain houses, light by light, lonely thing, twelve-fingered, out of mind. A woman like that is not a woman quite. I have been her kind. I have found the warm caves in the woods, filled them with skillets, Carving, shelves, closet, silks, innumerable goods. Fixed the suburbs for the worms and the elves. Whining, rearranging the disalarm. A woman like that is misunderstood. I have been her kind. I have ridden in your cart, Bryson. Waved my nude arms at villages going by. Learning the last bright roots, survivor where your flames still bite my thigh, and my ribs crack where your wheels won. A woman like that is not ashamed to die. I have been her time.
So in um, my quest to understand the female archetype and reutilize it for something more useful in my new world, um, we're revisiting uh, two albums by No Doubt, first and foremost, um, that being Tragic Kingdom from 1995 and Return of Saturn from 2000. And we were just talking a little bit about how neither of us have ever really vibed with No Doubt in the same way as um, just Gwen Stefani on her own. But I am curious about where your relationship with this uh, beautiful young woman began. Uh, yeah, I think, I, like you said, I think it was a very, um, like, mom tied experience i think i the main um when i listen to love angel music baby like the main place i am and that definitely was like that's the album that i like knew who gwen stefani was it was um and uh yeah it was definitely like driving around in like my mom's suburban uh you know that that was like in the cd changer and just like listening to that album through and like i don't know going to soccer practice or something you know yeah bullshit. totally um, yeah, <laughs> that's like that, and like you know, like the like Outcast uh, speaker box Love Below album is like in, was in that same CD changer at the time. You know, it was like uh, that kind of era of. Uh... So yeah, I was definitely like a solo Gwen like first, you know, and then again, I think on the suggestion of the Homestar Runner Wiki forum users, uh, tried to get into No Doubt and like listen to you know. Um, tragic kingdom like a few times uh you know as a early teenager um and uh you know yeah it, it's uh and it was diff i think also um i believe spider webs was a track on the uh nintendo ds uh guitar hero port uh oh, so incredible. I, was, I was yeah i was very familiar with spider webs especially uh <laughs> <laughs> probably of it like in terms of like track like repeats i've probably heard that the most out of any song <laughs> yeah for me um it was a very specific sensory memory i have um you know i mentioned my ss grandfather earlier and mm -hmm. when i was um eight years old he took me on uh, my mother and i on a trip back to the homeland of uh of good old deutsch and uh it was when we were staying in munchen and my mother and i were like locked in the house like jet lagged and um we were staying in this, uh, you know, rickety old apartment um, near Marine Plots, and we turned on MTV in Germany, and they were showing the VMAs, and that was my first exposure to Gwen Stefani, and she was doing, I think, Hall of Backgirl, or something from Love Angel Music Baby, and I was instantly fascinated. I uh, forced her to buy me the album when I was, like, literally eight years old. I listened to it non-stop um for years and years um not understanding any of like the inherent sexuality behind it or anything and um yeah. by the time i was in high school i was like trying to intellectualize myself more and be like oh well now i have to listen to you know now i have to listen to no doubt and i have to like get yeah. the whole story <laughs> and um my heart always lies with a uh, solo gwen but nonetheless i do find some uh, pretty beautiful uh, feminine artistry in uh, yeah, a no there is a lot of well. yeah, there is a lot, a lot of like beautiful like pathos and like soulful like crying and you know yeah, there's a lot of beautiful stuff I think the no doubt stuff for sure yeah absolutely um tragic kingdom is probably the the most famous of all of their albums and um 
I think what stands out to me about this record and, and something that keeps me interested in it, even though I hate, like, the general, like, sound of it, to be honest, like, mm-hmm. this is, like, ska music. It's, like, kind of this um more, like, pop-oriented, like, punk stuff, and I find it kind of grating, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, Gwen Stefani has so much uh, charisma on this record, and... um with her bandmates there's uh, so much drama behind the scenes with her and tony uh this indian guy right. breaking up and uh all of them kind of a uh, breaking into the mainstream at the same time there is just uh, so much like calamity going on around this record that it really bleeds through into the kind of like pained ska music yeah i i um in terms of like also like visceral childhood me- memories i think i recall um I used to watch, my mom would always like wake up super early and I would wake up early like before school and we'd watch um, just like MTV, like music when they were playing music videos, you know, early in the morning. Yeah. And um, they, uh, I, I remember watching a No Doubt video with her and her like explaining to me the like drama with like her and the boyfriend. And, like, and I'm sure she like had been like keeping up with like People Magazine, you know, coverage of like the breakup and the, and the drama of it. Um, and I, it was all kind of like just washing over me. And I was like, who, like, who are these people? Um, but I, like, my, my mother was like, I remember very, uh, like, entranced by like the romance of it. It's kind of like, she kind of is one of those, um, I think my mother, it was kind of a microcosm of like the, like Princess Diana, like, like being drawn to like the tragedy and the drama of like beautiful blonde, sad woman, you know, because mom's love Princess Diana, obviously. And. Oh this yes, like a, yeah. <laughs> this is totally like in the in the same realm as like Princess Diana because um, Gwen Stefani in the imagery around No Doubt is like a total '90s American princess like in every way yeah. possible. Like yeah. when you look back on kind of uh, her like fashion and her general like aesthetic reality at that time with the dyed hair, uh, the outfits that she constructed at home from just like throwing crap together. Um, and then, like, dyeing her hair with her braces. Um, there is, like, something really, like, touching and um, immediately accessible about the way she yeah. looks, you know? Yeah. I was, like, looking at her in the No Doubt videos, and, like, this morning, I um, and I uh, was thinking, yeah, like, she, um, in the No Doubt era, she's, like, a... Um, like the coolest girl you've ever seen in your like hometown, but like, you know, her. Whereas, so true. Yeah. But, um, and then in the Gwen Stefani, like solo era, she's like, just like a pop, like icon, like a queen, you know, like, a, you know, like, you're just, but like totally unapproachable. Like you would never see Gwen Stefani and encounter her in like your life. But yeah, the, the, no doubt Gwen Stefani is like, yeah, just like an incredibly cool girl, like a ghost world cool girl. Kind of yeah, thing. it's definitely like in like the same universe as ghost world. And um, I just think about her and that like horrifying pink hair and like the braces, like walking <laughs> around on like red carpets, like being like seen in People magazine, like you said, and just like mm-hmm. being kind of this um like pop cultural, like, exorcism stone where people had to channel like their own like grief around uh, 90s relationships like this very loose kind of uh thing as people are trying to prepare for the new millennium and uh this just avatar of all of it is gwen stefani in her little hair 
Yeah, and and of course the skinny brow, which I you know, I really appreciate the skinny brow. I've been trying to bring those back. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at her in the in the pink hair braces look now. Um, have oh, speaking of uh, her image, uh, have you seen like Gwen Stefani like recently? Yeah, I have. Yeah, she's. I hope that her like fillers are just settling down a little bit or something because she's like, I you know she is missing a sort of like you know the like uniqueness of her face is starting to, you know, fade out in the like when you know when you get filled out a little too much you know. No, it's it's know. definitely happening to her. Like I I um, there, there's like a lot of like kind of um. I don't know how to say it. There's a lot of people who, like, are appreciative of her. Like, oh, my God, like, she's over 50 now, and she looks so good. But I've always, like, found her kind of, like, um very, like, pulled back, like, blonde ponytail, like, the voice perfection to be a little yeah. tragic and unsettling. Yeah, it's, um yeah, it just feels like I she doesn't look like herself as, like, quite as much. I mean, you know, whatever. She can do what she wants. Like, but, uh and, like, I don't expect somebody to like keep the same look, you know, keep the same like dark lip, skinny brow look for like 40 years no. straight, you know, whatever. Like, but it's like, oh, Gwen, like, where are you? Like, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, in the 90s, she was doing like, uh, when she was wearing the bindi. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, she was wearing a bindi, like, wearing like these um, absolutely like, dreamscape, like, low rise jeans and like those like chunky little black shoes all the time yeah. <laughs> and i don't i don't know what it is but i just find myself like so like stuck in like her being like kind of like a cultural statue that people like all kind of like flock to in awe like she has like so much charisma that despite the fact that no doubt is like honestly making music that's like close to unbearable like you have to tune yeah. <laughs> in because it's so interesting yeah yeah it's um the look I mean and like I don't really under I don't have like a thorough understanding of like her role in no doubt like how much she was like just like kind of the tits and ass of the actor if she was like really involved in like the songwriting I mean I guess if she they act like they're that she was involved in the songwriting for like uh you know like a lot of the like breakup songs and stuff but it's um like my my understanding of those relationships is like kind of nebulous and like sketchy um but it's like she's so like her look is so so integral like to this band and i don't think that that's a bad thing you know no i don't at all like when you look at the cover for tragic kingdom like you know exactly what's happening it's her like holding this rotten fruit in front of a barren field and um her her older brother eric stefani um had kind of quit the band in the lead up to this record and he appears on the album in the desolate field uh, looking away from the camera uh, as there's like flies uh covering it and it's this um kind of tragic uh, Anaheim image that feels so true. And I, I actually like this record quite a bit as a kind of like a karaoke like, jammer. Like, um, yeah, sure. Like, obviously, Just a Girl is a, such a classic. And um, and again, Spiderwebs on Guitar Hero was like, <laughs> was great. <laughs> no, and Spiderwebs is great, too, because it is like in the Anne Sexton confessional poetry mode. Like, what she's doing is... um elevating these like tiny little minutia moments of her monotonous life with men in California into um holocaust dreamscape imagery it's like she's uh when she's on spiderweb she's like 
screaming about having her phone calls sc- like screened and like not oh, yeah, being yeah. picked up. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh I'm speechless. How can you describe spider webs? Yeah. I just I like I know it's you know, kind of obvious and like when we like looked at someone like Olivia Rodrigo or like kind of the current like pop landscape. I keep saying scape today. That's that's <laughs> the that's the world of today. I'm very drawn to image like <laughs> landscape. Yeah, it's funny today. when you like yeah, you just like keep going back to like your crutch words, you know, in a certain when you're in a certain mode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like right now I'm like staring into like the, the Gwen Stefani like dead orange field. <laughs> I'm like scape, the landscape. Yeah. 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 But it's like she she um like Olivia Rodrigo and all these people do the same thing where they're elevating small moments of nothingness into high drama hysterics. But because she has that visual affect of her looking like the hometown cool girl you've always known, uh, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot like truer and more evocative. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there is, and, and I think that's reflected in the sound too. You know, it is like, and I guess maybe that's like a ska thing. Again, ska is like not my like wheelhouse, but um, that it's a little. Who like, is that? I don't. Um, <laughs> you know whose it is? Uh, the boy that I was like completely in love with my like freshman and sophomore year of high school was really good into for ska. him. I'm yeah. really glad that he was. <laughs> he was really into ska, yeah, and um, and he was like two years older than me. Uh, and I once was like. Um, yeah, I will listen to like Smash Mouth and I thought it was like really good and and he was like, Yeah, babies for a ska or some shit like that to me. <laughs> and it like ruined my life. <laughs> um so i I always like I always associate ska with like kind of like male, you know, dismissiveness and rejection. That's perfect. And it's... Yeah, which is like a, yeah, perfect for this like theming. No, it makes, like, so much sense as well, because, like, what, who are, like, the other, like, big ska bands? There's that one that did the date rape song, um... Yeah, they all just seem, like, and and I got the vibe, like, watching, like, No Doubt videos that, like, it's all just, like, these kind of, like, indifferent, like, too cool for her men, like, you know, being, like, dismissive of, of Gwen, and, you know, I mean, that's, like, kind of what Just a Girl is about and stuff, and... And, like, meanwhile, she's going to go on to be, like, a superstar and they're going to, you know, not do much. Yeah, like, how crazy is it that it's just, like, all of these, like, men standing around, like, looking indifferently at their guitars and she's, like, wailing about wanting to be heard or or something like that. And it ultimately, like, makes her seem, like, that kind of, like, friction in the band is, like, Mm -hmm. what makes this music so, like, kind of, uh, so interesting. And, like, when it, when they They slow down, yeah. I sorry, I know nothing about the char- character of these guys. This is pure like conjecture on my part. I'm it could be you ask them and there's nothing like this. But I I always like had the impression that like they would like resent that she's like the selling point. You know, that like they have to have like the cute girl on the cover to like sell records. Yeah, cuz there there is that point of irony on the cover. It's like the cute girl in the red dress, like, holding, like, rotten fruit as they're all, like, demoted to the background. Like, they mm-hmm. they seem to, like, know that the thing that's making them seem interesting is this woman that they actually, like, find maybe a little irritating. Yeah, that's, like, an ex-girl fun. I also, like, how can you stay in a band after 
breaking up with like a boyfriend of like eight years like i like i have no insight into like that relationship no it's crazy it's like really like perverse and sadistic in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because so much of the music especially on tragic kingdom is like about like specifically her breakup with tony and it's like her singing like don't speak to him like about like how she like knows about how her life's about to be ruined by this man yeah and like they just, like, go on tour and, like, perform that everywhere, and he has to, like, play the, like, bass or whatever while she's doing that. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, and, and it's, like, uh, it it feels, again, in the, like, celebrity narrative that I've made in my head that might have no reflection on, like, what these people's lives are actually like. It's, like, this was, like, the romance, the, like, one-itis obsession that, like, ruined Gwen's life forever, and, like, that she's, like, never, you know, she's still in, like, Love Angel music maybe she's still writing like cool like she's still like clearly still obsessed with him like 10 years after the they were together for seven years yeah i mean that's that's a full uh yikes yeah that's i can't imagine seven years ago i was 18 i like had barely even had sex like i can't even (laughs) imagine that like entire expanse of time yeah, I think I've been with my husband, like, all together seven years, and that would be, like, that would be fucked up <laughs> to end that, yeah. Yeah, and then imagine, like, it's over, and then you have to go on world tours with him while he plays the bass while you scream about how upset you are about it. Yeah, that's, yeah, like, I, again, like, it's it feels like I'm missing, like, some pieces of puzzle because it's, like, I can't possibly, like, be like this, but I guess it was. Like, and not only was it like that, it'd be like if your husband is like Muslim and like you're not, and you're like yeah, wearing yeah. Like, a hijab or something to like spike yeah, him even you're, more. You're like in a, yeah, she's like in a bindi forever as like a tribute slash fuck you to to this relationship. Yeah, yeah, like that. It's so Saxon to me to like just um you know commiserate all of your suffering by like uh wielding culture like in this reckless way where you're like putting yeah. a bindi on and like running around. Like, I just love it. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, doing... <laughs> yes. Just um, doing, like, a high-performance art on the world stage. It's absurd. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, <laughs> it's it's totally singular. It's, like, it's only Gwen. Only good Gwen could do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and the other album from the, these uh, first two is the, the really special uh, Return of Saturn, which she wrote... Uh, approaching her 30s and um in terms of astrology the return of saturn is like a when you're supposed to be like reaching your full adulthood and um yeah kind of uh folding back on the earlier crutches of your life and yeah. um she i mean it's also like kind of a like crisis point yeah like, exactly certain negativity to it right because yeah. i'm i'm i guess it starts at like 29 right so i'm like i'm tw- i just turned 28 so i'm like getting a little nervous about that yeah, because they say so. it can start, like, between, like, 27 and 29, so... Mm. Okay, well, then maybe I've already... Maybe it's you may have already I've jumped already in. It. That's good, yeah. <laughs> and the way she does it is um, she uh, does, like, simple kind of life, where she's, like, imagining, mm-hmm. like... She's, like, asking herself, why have I been, like, so flagellating on the world stage for, like, five years? Uh, why don't I have, like, a husband and kids to, like, go to drive to soccer yeah. practice? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing, bathwater is, like, a similar theming, or, you know, like, the kind of, like, dirty, like, domesticity of the... Um, yeah, and I feel like, um, what makes, like, that, like, interesting and not, like, annoying and, like, uh, tratty, like, I really can't, like, take, like, young women nowadays being, like, oh my god, like, where's my husband? I want, like, babies, but it's, like... yeah. 
I think it's because she does have that like hometown cool girl thing going on that it does feel more punishingly real. Yeah, it's like this isn't her persona, her public persona that she's like displaying at you. This is the revelation of the secret desire of the girl who on the outside is too cool to care. Oh, totally. It's and it's really interesting for for that as well. Like when you're looking at like the video for um simple kind of life it's her like leaning on her ex-boyfriend like pushing him away like on the verge of tears and then sprinting around in a wedding dress oh my god (laughs) yes i mean it's all so obvious but like i love i love how ham-fisted it is because it it makes it like more like high and sexton camp to me like it feels like it's just on the edge of becoming the holocaust yeah, she does. She does the the obvious in the camp, uh, like very well. I think that's like where she thrives, and and then and then that's like taken to a hundred in, in Love Angel Music Baby. Yeah, um, because th- this is, I can't wait anymore. We have to just start talking about Love Angel yeah, Music like, Baby. Yeah, like what are we I'm like, ourselves? I'm like, <laughs> like I love like okay, I like Return of Saturn I think is lovely and I'm I'm really glad that I spent so much time um listening to it after my breakup and like, you know, thinking yeah. about like, oh my god, but um There is something yet it is good, like the energy level and everything is good for like just a little like wallowing or a little like sentimentality and and you know, I can appreciate that. Yeah, and I was, like, obsessed with the idea of, like, the song Ex-Girlfriend, where she's just, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, predicting the end of a relationship and then wallowing before it's even over. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much. But, like, it's not... The answer to all of this, like, feminine performance is, like, not there. What it is, is in Love Angel Music, baby. Yeah, (laughs) L.A.M.B., baby. This is the entire, like, um... Our conversation with God, our reflections on the Holocaust, and Saw, yeah. like, all of it climaxes in Gwen Stefani arriving in Love Angel Music Baby. And um, th- this album is, is very special, I think, because um, everyone kind of innately recognized that she had, like, the thing. Like, she had, like, the star mm-hmm. power. And then when she was finally, like, looked down uh, into the face with a record deal for a solo album uh she had severe writer's block and uh mm-hmm. stalled on the project and when it finally started coming together it is this absolutely unruly like unbelted collection of every like female image in total performance and uh there's nothing else like it yeah no i um so my one of my most recent listens like full listeners of this album uh was um, I was riding back. I'd spent a weekend in the Hamptons. I mean, not in the Hamptons, uh, in the Catskills with uh, some friends. And I was driving back with my husband and uh, a friend of ours. And uh, the do you know the Twitter account? Um, if he used to go by the name of Future American Refugee, but I think his name now is uh, current uh, current Moldovan citizen or something like that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a future Moldovan citizen. Yeah, um, good friend of mine, uh, and and we were listening uh, to. I was like, you know, I have this podcast in like a few days. Like, I have to. We have to listen to Live Angel Music, baby. And um, <laughs> I'm like, I have to prepare. Like, and uh, 
and something about being in that setting where you know if you're like listening to an album and you're like washing dishes or something you're not really paying attention and it's kind of washing over you but like being in the car like i like the car is like the ultimate like music listening setting to me like, it's, like me too yeah you get the like surround sound and the like community of it and and you have nothing else to do but like listen and um the and and so we just put it on and we're like goofing around and then like we're just like all blown away by like it's like especially like you know i mean the first half of the album it's like hit after hit it's like what you waiting for rich girl girl hollowback girl cool bubble pop electric like luxurious hair girls and crash is like a little like not great to listen to but um but it's like it was like this was all on the same album like she was like putting this all out there like at once like just like blowing her load on this on these like fantastic tracks and like music videos and like experiences yeah this um, album is totally an ejaculation like it literally is like absolute orgasmic climax like i what you waiting for might be the best song ever made maybe yeah and the best like, video it, ever it, made oh okay so that is why i became so fixated on her is because after she like did that performance at the vmas they showed the video and i was mm-hmm. fucking transfixed yeah i don't think i like i don't remember watching that a lot as a kid but as an adult you know i like to watch a lot of music videos especially like that that kind of era 2000s era um music videos on youtube and just like put them on at like parties and stuff um and watching that as like an adult for the first time i was yeah i was just blown away blown away like and it's so weird because i don't uh i don't normally think of myself as somebody who would fuck with the like alice in wonderland uh same you know i think aesthetic. it's horrible i like I, like I the, like it. tim burton you know alice in wonderland like stupid hate it and yet <laughs> some again like she brings that like cool girl element or like that like little it's not even like edge it's like it's like or like irony it's like just like she pulls it off it's like a total like genesequa like you know and and it's like she is alice and like she and again i mean i guess it's because like also like she's experiencing the like sentimentality of it and the like the like crying and like drowning in your tears and like the and and of course the like and the framing device of like going like with the writer's block and the like going into the uh little like japanese like girl clinic and you know being like transported into this uh, delu- delusion, uh, creative delusion, I guess, is, like, yeah, there's just so much going on in that. Oh, it's- my God, I know. I mean, but everything you said is exactly right. Like, what makes that video so successful and, like, what actually makes Alice in Wonderland for maybe the first time since it was ever published feel novel is that we're seeing, like, the hometown cool girl actually, like, get sucked into her fame and then, like, mm-hmm. seem, like, lost and confused in it. But instead of, like, doing, like, some, like, mopey, like, oh, my God, I'm, like, so famous. I'm, like, oh, my God, my pussy. Instead, she's, like, oh, I'm going to, like, eat this up. Like, I'm going to go to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, like, I'm going to steal an entire culture. I'm going to, like, yeah. I'm going to take all of it, make it mine, and I'm going to become the most powerful, sexy, interesting woman ever. And so seeing her, like, march through that video and it's, like, heinously like overlit like bright coloring Mm -hmm. and she's like oh my god it's just complete synthesis Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the like and the like sob like sex sound crying sound like the like wait what is it like 
like that's the, it like, yeah yeah <laughs> it's like um I, I was like really doubting my like ability to like pull it off but like yeah it, and her just like her heaving breaths breaths on the like on the like astroturf like fake rose garden yes. lawn as she's like thrown back onto the uh, I was just watching this this morning so it's, but it is like burned in my head like and I guess like it's also maybe the Alice thing works because it's um Alice in Wonderland as like seen through Japanese culture is seen through American you know appropriation because um because I think like Japanese like Harajuku like Lolita stuff is very like Alice in Wonderland influenced um but they do it I think in a, they pull it off better you know than Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because, I mean, what it takes for a culture to become interesting is another culture observing it. And um, mm-hmm. I two episodes ago, I talked about, like, uh, Lost in Translation and, like, HBO Girls and, yeah, like, the yeah, Ramen Yeah, I, I listened to, to at least part of that. Yeah, yeah and, like, that whole thing is, like, nothing is ever interesting until it's being seen through, like, the warped mirror of another culture. So, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, five layers going on here. It's, like... It's like Gwen looking at Japan, looking at America, looking at Japan, looking at Gwen, looking, and she's looking back. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, yeah, it's... and like Japan loves her; they're they're, they're her biggest fans, you know. Yeah, um, and it's so, yeah, it's there's... just so great to like. I can't even put it into words. It like feels like um, mountains of history like moving together, all so that this like little Anaheim blonde girl can like a moat about writers like overcoming writer's block and it literally <laughs> feels like the parting of the seas mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's breathtaking yeah you're, you're still a super hot female you've got your million dollar contract and you're all waiting <laughs> for your hot tracks but what if they think you're a plumber yeah <laughs> <laughs> how is that the lyric <laughs> yeah i don't know that's what it's kind of like yeah um yeah, it's I mean, it gets then... even more absurd with each song because right after yeah. what you're waiting for is Rich, Rich Girl, Girl, which yeah. once again has nine billion layers of culture like floating around with it. It's like right. originally the... from Fiddler on the Roof, right. then like yeah. covered by a Swedish pop band, I think, and then covered oh, by her yeah. with Eve. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> aware of the second uh, step with the Swedish band, but... Uh... Yeah, the and with like a um, kind of a Middle Eastern, you know, beat, uh, like uh, I don't, I don't even know how you describe that musically, uh, but the like that's exactly it, yeah, you know, and um, and uh, then and the video for that with the like kind of pirate ship and the Harajuku girls are there, and it's and it's the, you know, the pirates are like plunders of like wealth, but they also like travel and like plunder the like culture of a <laughs> of, of wherever they uh you know conquer i guess and um, what they get is gold yeah, yeah. <laughs> gold yeah and um and again i again a thing i didn't appreciate until i was an adult the line um uh cleaning out vivian westwood in my galliano gown it's like <gasps> oh when i was yeah. listening to the album earlier today i gasped hearing that yeah yeah i literally like <laughs> did a pearl clutch like it's so yeah, it's like, wild to think about her um, in the same way that she just, like, barrels through every culture known to man with a chainsaw. She, like, also yeah. just, like, does the same with all fashion and branding. It's, like... Yeah. Can you imagine what that room would smell like as she's, like, ripping through the the Westwood in her Galliano gown? Like, right. it must, like, smell amazing. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> 
yeah and the and the music video it, i just noticed today watching it was is very uh like jean galliano at like dior you know with the like opulence and the the, the like opulence but it's all kind of like deconstructed and like um you know the like all those like beads and shit hanging off of her like hairdo like jangling around and um yeah and uh also i thought to myself watching that video today uh the 2000s were when like showing your midriff meant something like oh, you yeah. weren't like it's not like high-waisted levi's and then like and 1.5 inches of of midriff and then your crop top like it's like it's the whole thing like it's your pubic bone to your <laughs> the top of your rib cage like um there's like there's and and just like fucking like hard ass abs like you know ripped like there's something um, kind of scary about it isn't there like yeah, she seems like, like yeah, kind it's of like skeletal. it's like yeah, yeah like murderous yeah yeah it, yeah she's like muscly enough that you could almost buy her as like a pirate um <laughs> in a way yeah uh and and she's there with the harajuku girls and um <laughs> Which is very, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk at in at great depth about the Harajuku girls, but um, yeah, it's uh, and and I don't even think of Rich Girl as like one of my favorite, you know, no. tracks or like videos off of that album. But it's like that. That's like again on any other album, it would have been like, wow, this is the best song, and this is just like another song. This, this is like the second song. This is the cool yeah. off from what you waiting yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, what comes the, after this? I can't and then even Hollaback remember. Girl. Oh. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the track God. listing right now. I'm not, yeah, it's like you have to cool off with Rich Girl because... Because, because here comes Holla Back Girl. <laughs> now, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this album is such, like, a Frankenstein of every single thing that's ever been created. This right. is, like, all Jewish well, people music. It's Japanese music. It's black people music. Yeah. And this is, like, um, some fantasy of, like... It's... There's, like, once again, like, a billion mirrors here because she's, like, looking back from the cool hometown girl perspective at like cool hometown girls on the high school stadium and it becomes like a pep rally fever dream i well, i don't yeah i don't, I don't even know <laughs> and you know you know what um current mother living citizen actually told me about this song is uh while we were listening to it is that this was a uh fuck you to uh courtney love who called Gwen a cheerleader at some in some interview or something like offhand um she was like yeah she's a little cheerleader you know dismissively and then this was like Gwen's like diss track basically I can't believe she did a diss track against Courtney fucking love yeah <laughs> and it was but, all <laughs> yeah it's just Hollaback Girl yeah um I and my personal again Hollaback Girl may have been like the, my very first exposure to Gwen because that video mm-hmm. was so huge the song was so huge that was like every like high school gym I mean I was I, I was like I guess I was in like fourth grade um 2004 yeah I was and um and I remember it being it became like a playground chant basically like yeah. uh, this is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s and um and I remember like adults getting like mad at us being like don't like that's that's like inappropriate like that's and we were like what and I like it I was so young I literally like didn't consider I thought that the lyric was this is bananas I did too the idea of like (laughs) of it being shit was like uh was like novel and like would would have been totally shocking to me I mean Um, I think it is groundbreaking 
yeah and and like 2004 like i'm sure you could not escape that song i'm sure like retail workers in 2004 were like so pissed listening to the pile of batgirl you know all day or whatever but um I feel like it was, like, kind of, like, a like a little bit of, like, a low-key revolution for her to, like, say shit. I mean... Yeah, I, it was, It felt like, uh, yeah, I, I, I sensed, like, adult, like, uh, freak-outs at it. I wish I could have been in a club in 2004 and heard that yeah. song come on. Because now when, like, when a classic, like, Gwen Stefani song comes on, it's, like, you know, just, like, a bunch of, like, hooting, like, gay people being, like, oh, my God. Yeah, of course. And then they, they, they go for, like, 30 seconds, and then they, they go to, like, get their tequila shot or something. But, like, yeah. I want to see, like, a mass exorcism in the club when this happens, because that's what probably was going on. Yeah, I I can't imagine, like, experiencing this, like, as a new thing as, like, an adult. Um, this feels insane. like it's, like, recklessly, like, barreling forward into the futurist reality it's like literally yeah. like and and you know what's really funny i just read the wikipedia article for love angel music baby and it said the album was conceived as like gwen wanting to do a throwback like tribute to pop and like dance music in the 80s oh my god it was like this is like this was intended as like an 80s uh, like almost like a parody album like a like not you know not a parody album but like a tribute album um or like I want to bring the sound back uh and I was like what like because I never even sensed anything 80s about this I guess I can see it now mm-hmm. but it the thing is that like this album ended up like defining the sound of the next like 15 years if not like through to today so <laughs> it's like no this is the sound of the 2000s like this is the 2000s yeah but, and then you uh, like you think about like what it is it's like this shit is bananas it's like um I, is it ironic i mean i don't know exactly what the word i'm looking for is here but it's like this like performative um put upon like jokey cheerleader cursing and showing yeah her again it is very like schoolyard yeah. And it like and it became that, you know, like literally. Um the funhouse mirrors that this album like both like produced and also like engaged in, it feels right. like and her, a like, cultural back, vortex. Her, like, yeah, and her like comeback to being called a cheerleader is to like lean harder into being a cheerleader and like dressing up as a cheerleader and dancing around in it. And grinding around with the jocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I love in the video at the very beginning when she, like, makes the Harajuku girls, like, stand in front of the car and she goes, ah, super kawaii. Kawaii, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. My boyfriend just, yeah, like, looked just up at me story. like an abject horror. He was like, what are you looking, what, are you, what did you just yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> Don't understand. Like, it's what? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, again, I was just watching this video, but I was reminded of her wearing a like thigh high um converse all-stars which again as like a elementary school or middle school i thought like you could not get cooler than that i was like where am i gonna get like some super long converse all-stars to wear because i um that's like the ultimate garment Uh, no totally i i I completely get it um i mean all of this is just like 
this is in like the first like literal like 10 minutes of the album yeah it's like it's like we've just started again imagine like being in the car with me on like a little road trip thinking that i was like putting on like a normal album and then like it's like bam like <laughs> like this is like takes like such a like an absolute erection to be able to pull off like if you're not completely sold and like convinced of your own willpower you could never like shuffle through all these cultures and all of this like cultural flotsam to produce something that is like so like glued together from trope and yet completely its own thing yeah it's just (laughs) what an achievement and then and then guess what's next cool cool (laughs) and like Okay, I feel like in each of these songs, she's, like, done, like, some piece of, like, the, of, like, the female archetype, and, like, in this one, it's, like, especially true with that, like, really, like, sexy perfume ad, like, music Mm -hmm. video, um, and yet this, it's, like, the dumbest song you've ever heard, and yet will break your heart every time you hear it. You know, yeah, I cry every time, like, it's just, like, oh, like, and the, like, the, like, yeah the corny like strings it's like it's like everything should be so corny the like the like uh the the orchestration and the um the like 50s and the uh you know the Marilyn Monroe like look and then but it's it's like so perfectly executed it's like and it's 50s actually looking at it I was like oh it's it's a little bit like Anne Sexton you know it's a little like like, it's a very, like, lived-in 50s. Yes, um, it is. It's very lived-in. And once again, she has no skin. Like, this um, yeah. interaction with her ex-lover is, like, so painful. Um, and she, like, is, like, kind of hopelessly trying to make it seem right. Like, I feel like the crux of cool is that she's saying it's, like, oh, everything's fine. But it's very clearly not. When you say it's fine, but it's not fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, like, yeah. The, like shaking shivering hand with the teacup like placing it on the oh, no. yeah <laughs> oh yeah and then and you see her as a brunette which is uh always shocking and she looks so good oh she know? looks so good yeah. and yeah. I-, I remember like revisiting the video and she's like oh she's brunette she had like s- the director thought about it she thought about it she- and ever yeah, must have been she, so she obsessed be in this universe. yeah yeah um <sighs> I feel like I'm on crack right now. It's just like yeah, talking it's... about the album is like making me feel methed out. Yeah, because it's, it's, uh, and I'm glad, like, I don't know how you knew to like call me for, <laughs> to talk about Love Angel Music Baby, but it was, yeah, this is, uh, th- this is my shit. Uh huh, this is Bubble... my shit. <laughs> uh huh, this is my shit. Yeah. Bubble Pop Electric. Um, uh huh, oh, Johnny, yeah. when you gonna get here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um Gwenny yeah, Gwen Gwen. I have a lot to say about public. This is probably my favorite track, I think, if I had to choose a Great favorite. Pick. Um I like it's one of two songs, I think, at least two about getting railed in the back of the car, um, on this album. Uh and the yeah, just like the energy of it, the like sexiness of it, the like the, uh, not not sexiness but like horniness of it yeah um, <laughs> i'm empty i need you to fill me up um the like yeah the teen there's a lot of like being a teen in this which is funny because i think she's like 30 at least in this <laughs> while recording this album right um and um and also the uh again with uh it was it was very fortuitous that i was on this road trip with a future moldovan citizen 
uh, listening to this, he said, who's on this? Uh, Andre 3000, is that who's on this? I said, oh, uh, and I looked at it and I was like, no, it's some guy named Johnny Vulture. Uh, and then I Googled who that was and it was a pseudonym used by Andre 3000 only for this one track. So <laughs> he oh correctly my identified God. That's that's Andre 3000 as the uh, counter uh, counter act. On, yeah, I on always just like thought it was like anonymous black person number two. Yeah, some like, guy. Yeah, I always assume that everybody on here was like just like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, in, yeah, <laughs> um, interchangeable. This song, uh, I have like some really like humiliating memories of because like as an eight year old, like it didn't translate to me that this was like about like getting fucked in a yeah, car. Classic. I was just like. I'm like, oh, we're going to go for a fast car drive. Yeah, <laughs> like, <woo! laughs> But, like, at the end of the day, like, it kind of is, like, not, yeah, I mean, you know? Because it's like she's doing... That's the power of metaphor. Exactly. She is kind of, like, doing, like, the way that she talks about, like, sex and expressing her emotions is, like, the perfect female representation. Because it's not genuine. It's channeled no. through thousands of layers of cultural crap where she says... I think the queen would call it Randy. And it's like yeah. <laughs> so ineffectual that like you, it becomes ultimately a truer portrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it has to be kind of filtered through like metaphor and irony and, uh, you know, uh, corniness and, and, uh, and, and then comes out the other end. As Cause no one's going to a drive in movie in 2004. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is, yeah, she has, like, it's always, like, it's, like, 2000s does 80s does 50s. Yeah. It's the 80s nostalgia of the 50s. This uh, is, like, kind of, this whole album, like, kind of feel like, like, a breaking point for you. It feels, like, to me, it, like, literally feels like the entire rush of history accumulating in, like, one explosion. Yeah, the history and time and space, world culture and history in one, in one <laughs> like, perfect. literally. Because comes work, yeah. It literally is, like, world culture. It's, like, Kanti and, like, metaphysics, like, all collapsing at once and then, like, feeling, like, some rush of every image of all, like, culture, like, suddenly, like, racing towards you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's total. It's totalizing and, uh, and just... And again... Again, it's like we're ten minutes in, barely ten minutes into the fifteen, maybe into. The uh, yeah. Okay. So the next one is luxury. I love that we ha- I have something like a million things to say about everything because luxurious yeah. is like. I think it'll get it. It'll well actually. There's still in some in the second half. There's still a few. But, yeah. Um, but like comment. luxurious is definitely worth comment because uh, this is her Latinx moment. Yeah. <laughs> This is yeah. her Latinx era. No culture is safe. <laughs> no, no bl- black culture, Latinx culture, Japanese culture, Jewish culture. Um, I, I think that's everything we've touched on. So white culture, um, <laughs> like what's left after that? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think maybe like tribal Africa, like she. She ended up it's doing that like anyway on a horrible, yeah. like, No Doubt album, like, way after the fact uh, she did, like, tribal music, too. So she okay, has good. gone through all of it. Like, I think, like, the only thing we're missing is, like, um, um, like, those kind of, like, Russian-Asian people who, like, like live in, like, Gertz or whatever. 
Yeah, like the yeah, out on the steps and you know, like yeah. Mongols. Yeah. That's Definitely. it. That's what I was thinking of. We we need her to do that era next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mongol era. Yeah, um but like, I, I do love luxurious because once again yeah. it's like um total unbelievable uh Slow surrealism. Jam. Take it down yeah. a notch after bubble pop electric, like take it down a notch, Gwen. <laughs> And it's, like, a, her just, like, being, like, talking about, like, money and, like, perfume and, like, clothes and, like, lying around. And it's, like, she, like, fully was, like, rich enough for all of this, but it's, like, still from the uh, vantage point of not having the money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, the aspirational, the fantasy. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, this this track is very tied in my mind to uh, the Furby track um, that is titled something very simple. Like, glamorous yeah glamorous yeah um that that like yeah that 2000s like pre-recession you know opulence and, and uh materialism you know have you ever felt like you are like luxurious in this way like have you ever experienced that before i don't think so i don't really uh I'm not sure I identify. I always feel like a little too like dirty to like, like I feel like literally not clean enough for this lifestyle. Like no matter how much I scrub, I'll, I'll always be like, yeah. I'll have a body and, and not be able to ascend into this like fantasy realm. Um, Is there a way to achieve this on earth? Like actually? Mm, like, can I don't you- think it. Can you actually like get to the luxury, like the luxurious, like layer, like as a mortal being? I think, I think you can if you have like maids and like. I think if my house was cleaner, I might be able to do it. Even if I was out, I would know that my house was dirty and that you know. I, <laughs> when you go I home, think, and yeah, then you, you return to it all. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like this dirty like hovel. Those floors aren't swept. Um, <laughs> I think if you have like teams of people working for you, but you know, I don't know. Even like Kim Kardashian. Uh, I mean, now you know it's very hard to even achieve that because like even Kim Kardashian is in this like gray like hellscape like concrete like house designed by you know Kanye. That's like, and it's all like neutral colored like athleisure you know that's yeah she of... lives like in a calm de garçon prison which i mean i would yeah. love to do as well but yeah. i'm like looking at my house and it's like i would like have to like burn i think it'd have to like burn down for me to like get yeah. to luxurious level because there's like too many like dvds and like barbie dolls and like yeah anime figures stacked everywhere yeah like dead plants like shit you beer know, cans like bottles, surrounding you know, like... me lighters um a yeah. towel like <laughs> yeah like you know kitchen so it's like you know stuff that's necessary for like the continuance of like life you know but that's yeah the whole thing yeah they kind of exist outside of life yeah yeah um do you want to talk about harajuku girls at last Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This song is almost five minutes long, by the way. I just want to say that. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does, like, keep going, yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> Harajuku Girls is, like, not, probably not the best track, like, musically, lyrically. It's, it's, um, but the concept is, like, so, again, like, as a child of the 2000s, as, like, 
a girl who bought the like fruits magazine anthology from like my suburban Barnes and Noble. Amazing. And like for the first time, yeah, encountered like these Harajuku girls and like, and like paging through that. And I was like, I can't believe that people can dress like this, that like this is allowed, like <laughs> that you could do this. Um, and I assume that Gwen's first exposure was like just like on the street, which is insane um to be honestly to be in a harajuku in like 2003 2004 is like like <laughs> if i had the time machine like i would go like i'd have to see it you know to, um and uh and so just conceptually i i just love it i'm it's a huge like i'm, I'm a huge fan it is um there are some like lines in it like uh uh What's it called? Oh, uh, where the catwalk got its claws. Meow. Um, <laughs> meow, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you you should be allowed, like, I, I appreciate that, like, she came up with that line and she was like, that's so clever. Like, that's going to, but you can use that line, like, exactly once, I think. And then, yeah, and like, that and never again. Yeah, yeah, yeah then it's, it's done. Like, it's like three, four times in there. It's like, where the catwalk got its claws. Yeah, a ping pong match between eastern Eastern and western (laughs) (laughs) i mean um this is uh, this had like kind of like a surreal moment after i had been in japan for a year and like yeah i was like um it it doesn't even take that long if you study japanese for three months you know what all of the harajuku girls are like piddling with in the background but Mm -hmm. it like becomes like especially uncanny when you hear them like uh in a, a language you actually recognize and uh it i I think this song is complete genius, and this is, like, the complete, like, a uh, conclusion to, like, the Lost in Translation, like, ramen girl urge to just, like, yeah. atom bomb every culture and just, you know, utilize it to the best of your ability, because yeah. um, I feel like uh, you can feel, like, Gwen really, like, reaching some new spiritual heights, like, through this superficial interaction she had with Japan. Yeah, and and the instrumentation is great. The like, <laughs> yeah, it's like very Japanese, yeah. but also like the inverse of Japanese. It's like YMO yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, I love YMO. Yeah, um, yeah, and of course, I mean, we should probably talk about the Harajuku girls themselves, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah, just like conceptual. Again, you could like you you couldn't get away with it now. I mean, maybe she could, and I think she continues to like get away with stuff, but um. The, yeah, just bringing around, like, four Japanese girls as your, like, dolls to, like, place in your music videos and have as your backup dancers. Um, I had assumed that the Harajuku girls were just, like, four interchangeable uh, Asian women, but it, I, I found out also on the course of my research that they are, like, they have names and, like, are, like, a state played by the same people, like, in a stable way, which is nice. Um, yeah, there there are people surprisingly. Um, there was like controversy right as it came out because uh, Margaret Cho, who is like yeah. literally descended from Koreans, as yes. if they get any say about what happens to Japanese people, please. Like, um, yeah. was like I felt very dehumanized by that, and I'm like, okay, like I'm sure, but I have never and will never hear in my entire life a Japanese person complain about Harajuku girls. No, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, it was one of those made up, like, you know, cultural appropriation scandals, and, um, and no, they, uh, they seem to love it, <laughs> but, and it is, like, f- funny, like, yeah, 
crew. Like I have my little like guys, you know, that um that I bring Do in. Do you find the um, Harajuku girls like vaguely threatening? Yeah, there is I was a... kind of afraid of them when I was a little child. Yeah, I don't remember if I had thoughts on it uh uh as a kid. Um but I do think that, like, in, for example, the video for um, the rich girl, um, they're, like, they're, like, little girls, and they're, like, pl- Gwen's actually their doll that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. And then, or maybe those little girls are, like, separate little Japanese girls. But there is a certain, yeah, the Japanese girl in general in, like, the Western imagination has a certain, like, uh edge and and, uh, and like deathliness to her you know the like the geisha with the like dagger you know that <laughs> yeah. her kimono you know and uh, yeah I, and i do feel that they uh and they like sink gwen Stefani's ship in the in the uh in the fish tank um and yeah i don't know i'm, I'm like looking at google images of them now and yeah they've got like kind of that you know sharp like uh tiny lipstick thing going and the like doll likeness of it is uh, yeah a little uncanny and a little bit like where's it gonna go like yeah it definitely has like an aura of death around it which I think is special like um and you know in that Anne Sexton poem she like um evokes like the African as like a way of uh Mm -hmm. bringing herself closer to God and I feel like Gwen Stefani you know utilized these um vaguely threatening very cute Japanese girls to uh bring herself uh, cult- like closer to the um, approximation of everything all at once. Like this, ex- mm-hmm. you know, it couldn't have happened without them. And I think she yeah. like has like a great respect for them. And uh, she opened her heart so thoroughly to be moved by something at all. I could never, ever criticize her for it. Yeah. And, and um, again, like I like, who in America was aware of like Harajuku? Oh, and no one. Fac- Nothing. Fascism. Yeah. In 2005, like, I don't know when that uh, an- anthology that was in, I guess I'm looking it up now. I guess it was released in like 2001, but that was like a, that's like a Barnes and Noble, like deep cut, like fight on, like, you know, art book. Um, and I feel like, like, now it's kind of, like, old hat, like, yeah, Japanese people, like, dress crazy and, like, will lead a fashion and stuff. Um, but it, uh, no, I think, I think to, it, to people in 2005, it was, like, totally alien and, like, who were the, who were these people? What's Harajuku? And luckily, the, the song explains it all to us that it's, um, but that it's where the catwalk gets its claws. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and just like, I don't know, the, again, like the childhood, like teenage fantasy of mine of like going to Harajuku and like getting like sick, like Lolita dresses and stuff and uh, and pulling them off, which I never would have, uh, is like, yeah, so prominent in my mind. And like, and one lived the dream, you know, it's just like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it totally is. Um, the second half of the record is like, like you said, not as strong. It's not, it's not the, um, you know, hit assault that the first is. Um, I know you said you didn't like Crash, but I kind of love it actually. I think it's hilarious and redundant and absurd that she has, um, not one, but two like neurotic songs about sexy cars. And yeah, uh, yeah. She feels like so like determined to be like cars and fucking like machines like having yeah. sex that she it's has very, to do it twice like, 
it's very like crash like the film crash <laughs> yeah almost eight minutes of this whole record are devoted to talking about car fucking yeah <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 and that's just like at a glance I'm sure like there's a few lines in other uh, in other songs uh, that that evoke that again um, yeah I do I mean I, I don't I don't hate it it's like it's like when you've got like Holly Girl and Pop, Bubble Pop Electric and cool you know it's like um, but I, I do like the like the like ding ding like back it up back it up like, uh-huh me too and the, yeah but then, yeah, the, when when it gets into the chorus of like, I don't know, something about it is uh, gets a little like raining on me. Um, don't forget but, to make a U-turn. Uh, I yeah. know you left your blinkers on. <laughs> She's like yeah, not even it's like, singing. Okay, how far how far can we take this metaphor? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Um, you know, the real thing, Serious and Danger Zone are all songs I'll listen to, and I, you know, I do think the record is perfect, even if they're not, like, you know, masterpieces. Yeah, um, it's like, well, you know, it's an album, like, you have to have, like, 20 songs. Of course, like, yeah. But what she does is, she does the last song on the album with Andre 3000 in, um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Long Civil way to go. Anthem. Long way to go. Featuring yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. MLK sample uh, interracial uh, relationship. This is very Madonna. Of it her, is. Uh, yeah. To, it, uh, yeah, because <laughs> like, the, like the drama of like, I'm just a little blonde girl and I'm taking this big black dick and I'm being persecuted for it. Like, <laughs> Till snow hits the asphalt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, again, it's with like, the like, asphalt so and like earnest. cars. And, like, yeah, it's like... like not since this song has anyone ever expressed anything about race in an earnest or honest way at all. Like no, the this was the last. This was the last one. The blundering Martin Luther King Jr. sample. Andre 3000's total like gameness and like willingness to partake in this. Like, um, mm-hmm. like this did solve race, and then like something changed, and we had to Obama happened, I guess, and we had to like try again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we we got a long way to go. Yeah, we have we have a whole Obama administration to go and the fallout from that. But it's like, yeah. for a moment, there was racial harmony on Earth, which is that, you know, when it comes to race relations, white girls are always going to be, like, dumb, you know, narcissistic uh, vortexes in the world, and that's a beautiful, touching thing to witness. Yeah, it's a good, it's it's a perfect, like, come down for the album like you know bring it down let's get a little serious like and then and then and then see it yeah because like it's it is fascinating to me that like this album has like um the sort of a schizophrenic uh parlay between so many different like female archetypes and instead of like trying to mold them all together into like one last statement or something um or like uh there's a a harajuku singer named kari pamu pamu and she like uh, decides that the entire universe is like a fabrication at the end of an album that she did that was kind of similar to this but instead she does like you know race relations anthem what do you yeah. think that means because <laughs> yeah. i don't um, know i you know there's like kind of that you know that that meta theme of this album that she's the rising 
pop star and is pressured to, you know, create this work that's like commercially successful. Mm. Um, and it's almost like I feel, and I don't think this is like her making a commentary on that. I think she genuinely like felt the need to like include something a little more serious or a little, you know, like touching on like social issues and like, um, and then, but it like, yeah, it feels like easy to like see through like the illusion of that. And, and this one like does, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if she, you know, she can pull off like the camp usually so well. And then I don't know if this is like a camp that she can, that she can pull, you know? No, no, it's, it's completely, you know, this isn't a camp she can pull, which like actually makes it like perfect camp because, uh, yeah, it's like finally, like finally we're, we've completed the system and we're here at true camp. Yes, that's exactly it. Like she's like gone from like artificial like camp to like actually like, uh, you know, revealing some true part of herself and it being like this, um, gangly like ungodly you know awkward yeah. like beautiful urge uh call to action for race relations i think yeah. is very touching actually yeah. this is what's inside of her heart yeah this is like she just she just wants like people white people to get along yeah and she just wants people to fuck black guys yeah without getting <laughs> dirty looks in the street which i'm sure she was yeah. not in 2004 no that's the whole thing yeah <laughs> I was like, oh, do we have a long way to go? Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I actually like even remember thinking that at a young age as well. Like, I remember this song, like, seeming, like, kind of, uh, like, corny to me when I was, like, at that age as well. But I love it all the more for it. Yeah. I mean, that's why you have to, like, in- evoke the spirit of MLK because, you know, everybody, like, wants to live back in the 60s when civil rights was, like, a real struggle. Even though, yes. like, although in retrospect, it kind of feels like an inevitability and, like, kind of was just, like, legislatively, like, you know, hammered out. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it, it's, like, the fetishization of, like, the boomer, uh, you know, marching in the streets, you know. Everybody wants to march in the streets. That's why you get, like, the, you know, the pussy hat marches and the, you know, res- res- resistance libs and BLM stuff it's like we all want to recreate that magic moment of uh of standing up for civil rights and getting fire hose you know it's there is like a it it is very romantic again it's like coming it's like another like aspect of like the romanticism of the 50s Mm -hmm. no i think that's exactly kind of like what ties all this album together is like she was apparently emulating the you know 80s and like old dance music and like trying to you know revive it and then what she actually gets is this like uncanny uh foreign creation from her womb and it like comes from all of these like piling archetypes of like femininity that are all like so bizarre and idiosyncratic in their own ways that it it, like turns out like this tower of babel and at the very top is this like uh like longing for like 60s like race race conflict honestly yeah (laughs) yeah wow oh my god i just like i really feel like she did something that no one like since madonna has ever like really done with like you know female pop music yeah no it's um it's like really an achievement and i think that like she and and i think the reverberations of this album were like felt again for the next like few decades at least probably no doubt 
so I'm, um, you know, re-philosophizing the universe and, like, creating um, the world in my own image. And uh, what do you think I should take from our time with Gwen Stefani and Anne Sexton, these two women um, literalizing their pain and, and feminine experience into their uh, art in, in ways both camp and deeply authentic? What do you think I should take from all of this? Ooh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um... You know, for me, it's like, I like to visit feminine pathos, but I don't like to live in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I think, are more of a, per- you kind of need to live in the feminine pathos a little bit. It's kind of your job, in a way. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's so there's just so much to take. I think the, like, point about, like, the collapsing of history into this, like, into this moment is, is such a... Uh, like powerful sentiment and i think that that's like i think that we've really cracked the the two here in that in that sentiment yeah um and uh and i guess we can all just kind of try and keep crawling from uh from the holocaust our own personal holocaust into uh the luxurious life in uh in god's uh in god's hands yeah i think that's that's 100 beautiful like um I, I talked about the Futurist Manifesto a few weeks ago, and the Futurist Manifesto says that there's um, no room for women and no room for history. But I think um, there is room for women, but only if it's performed like this. And, of course, yeah. like no, no pop star can ever do that anymore. So I guess it just has to be uh, me in my, uh, my garbage bag dress doing suicide on stage in Tokyo. Yeah, I think, you know, try your best. <laughs> Hopefully we can we can crack it, crack it again.